welcome to episode 51 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, a Seattle Mariners podcast. I'm your host today, Evan James, joined by Michael Ahedo and Anders Jorstad. And it's pretty exciting today because we get to talk about the red-hot Seattle Mariners, winners of seven in a row, and I believe 14 of their last 17 games. They have surged into playoff contention, if we want to call it that. They are above 500, really, for the first time in months. The team is firing on all cylinders, and I'm just having a blast watching the team in a way that I think I haven't since last year. I'm going to kick it over to you first, Durs. What have you seen from this team and how much does it feel like they flipped the switch and we might be seeing the true, the true, the the true, true talent level of this team. They got that dog in them. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's kind of like what it feels like, right? I mean, the last time Marco Gonzalez, our favorite started, he threw, what was it? Six, and two thirds without allowing a run and no strikeouts. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how much of this feels sustainable. And that's like what worries me. Um, I don't know how, how frequently we're going to get like home runs that bounce off the glove of Lord Escuriel. Um, and I don't know how if we're going to get Diego Castillo uh, scoreless innings. Cause some of those pitches that he tossed uh, yesterday when he got the, the win or the save rather, seemed like they were like kind of right over the plate. Um, and I, I feel like to an extent they have gotten very fortunate and I'm, I'm, tr- I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be like the downer here, but I guess I'm just conditioned to be afraid of like, when is this going to stop? But I certainly am enjoying it. You know, I'm certainly like excited when they are, you know, earning these wins and it feels like we're kind of stealing them against the Padres and Blue Jays who are legitimately good teams. I'm going to kick your asters. No, in fairness. And I mean, I was watching from, you know, uh, like the, the Dave Niehaus statue and, and like uh, left, I think right center. (laughs) Um, Diego Castillo almost blew the save. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I recall correctly, there was a screamer down the, the third base line, but I I mean, I'm conditioned to feel the same, but I tend to think that they're in really good shape. Um, You know, we're going to get to it, but this is not arbitrarily chosen. It kind of is, but since June 18th, Munoz leads relievers in war, and number five is Paul Seawald. They don't have Ken Giles. Eric Swanson's gone for a couple days. Um, I might be missing someone. But they have Brash now. Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger should be on the way probably probably within, you know, a week or two. Um, probably more, too, for, for Hanniger. But, um, well, Hanniger hasn't even started yeah. a rehab assignment yet, right? That, yeah, so right. That's what I'm thinking. I'm a little concerned about that. Well, Jerry said after after the All Star break, I think that's that's more so true of of Lewis, who should be ready right around then. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, this team should only get better. So I feel differently. You mentioned a name that we haven't seen in a while, which is uh, Matt Brash. And since because he's back and this is new, I think we should we should park there first and talk about his uh, performance last night. He looked pretty sharp. And obviously, the discussion that we've had on this podcast is that the stuff is good. The stuff plays. Nobody has any questions about that. It's a matter of can he locate? And I was wondering um, if either of you guys saw anything last night to indicate that he's made any kind of mechanical changes. Well... It was admittedly hard to tell on the mechanical side, um, you know, from from right center. But uh, I don't for people who like go to games with me. I'm generally I generally have Savant's, you know, kind of game day feature pulled up and and looking at things. Um, So I was kind of tracking how he was doing. And obviously it it legs by a couple pitches, but um, I was really impressed with how he located uh, what was interesting. Well, so I'll start there. You know, uh, he really. For the most part, located what what was tagged as a sinker at the time, uh, his fastball at the top of the zone and like in. You know, close enough to the zone where where 
you know, hitters are, are, are offering at it. Um, and, and really only spiked a couple, um, sliders. Um, so like, yeah, everything wasn't located the best, but, uh, this is a lot different, you know, of a look than, than what we saw before. So I, I'm really intrigued by, uh, or, or compelled, you know, by what I saw last night. Um, and I kind of wonder how that, that mindset and, and transitioning to the bullpen, you know, might be helping him. Yeah. I mean, Darius, I sorry. I was going to say, I was really impressed by the command on his fastball specifically. The, the breaking pitches were pretty good too. And he was able to land a couple of those for strikes, but he had that really long at bat against Guriel, And it seemed like he was able to place the fastball pretty much wherever he wanted to. And there were obviously opportunities for him to, you know, groove one to Guriel, but it seemed like Guriel was pretty much fooled. And maybe this is part of like the stuff plays up when you're in the bullpen in the way that it doesn't when you're a starter. And also when you're seeing a guy only one time versus three times. Um, so I think this might be a role for Brash. And that's sad because I want him to be a starter. And I know they're probably going to try him out as a starter. I, I would bet they're going to give him another shot at spring training of next year and see what it looks like. But... For this year, I think he's a perfectly reasonable back end of the bullpen guy. And right now, the Mariners are flush with that. So um, remember next time when we complain about, oh, no, the Mariners bullpen looks so depleted this year compared to last year or whatever. And Casey Sadler's gone, oh, no, like they'll find guys. They always find guys. And they found several guys this year. One of the things I've been looking at for the trade deadline is potential bullpen relief targets. And watching Matt Brash last night, I'm wondering if the Mariners need any reinforcements in the bullpen. So my question to you, Durs, is do you think, is it advisable for the Mariners to rely on Matt Brash to be that guy down the stretch? Or do you think we would be better advised and a wiser course of action would be to go get like a David Robertson type, somebody with more experience? I think they they should definitely, if they see an opportunity to get someone for a reasonable reasonable price to get another reliever and potentially like a lockdown reliever. Um, because right now they just called up, what's his face? Jacob Barnes. Uh, his numbers are not good. <laughs> and if that's like, you don't want that guy to be the up and down guy. Um, ideally your up and down guy is someone who's a little bit better, better than that. So, you know, if Giles is going to keep flirting with injury and, uh, what Ryan Barucki is not super exciting. Um, I don't know. I think that it would be nice for them to get a guy. I don't think they need to get like a lot of bullpen help, obviously, but yeah, if they could get a guy to stabilize that back end, I kind of wonder if, and I think we're going to talk about this later, but if they go get a bat, if they don't get a bullpen arm, like that team's best bullpen arm too. Like, let's say, for example, they go out and they get um, Ryan Mountcastle. If they don't, then ask for Jorge Lopez in the same trade, right? And just try to kill two birds with one stone. Is, is Mountcastle... He is on the Orioles, who are very good. Was that a random example? Um, maybe I'm, so here's, here's the funny thing about me. I, I always confuse Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander. So which one is the one that people think is going to be traded? (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, Um, there's something wrong with me, but that I, there's like many players like that where like I mix up X player and Y player and that that's one for me. So, but anyway, if they got an outfielder from the Orioles, you know, that's just a random example basically. But I think that's something they might do where, you know, they get a position player from a team and they get that team's best or second best bullpen arm too. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that they really need, they definitely don't need, you know, a, a reliever. Um, they're the bullpen's in really good shape. Like, Penn Murphy is has been kind of unreal has been I I'm not looking at the numbers right now but like one of you know their their best relievers um I think they could stand to to you know benefit from 
um, someone to, to fill it out. Cause like Tommy Lamone, <laughs> Tommy Lemon, <laughs> Tommy Malone. That's there's a new nickname. I didn't even know he was on the roster until I saw, I was like looking at the roster randomly, like yesterday. And I was like, when did he get here? There, I think for the most part, they're really getting the best out of everyone. If there are shortcomings of the bullpen, I might say that it's like uh, all their good guys are a sweeper, <laughs> pretty much. Um, the though the lone example is Eric Swanson, who throws over the top, and that's something that you know teams like the Rays do is they they offer a bunch of different. Um, a bunch of different looks like arm slots, you know, they're, they're really known for having a guy th- who throws over the top and then sidearm and then submarine, maybe a three quarters, you know, arm slot, but not really. Um, so yeah, I guess just to, to get back to the question, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing that they focus on stuff. I think that that should be the focus and, um, <laughs> everyone's pretty stuffed up, so to speak outside of like Barucky. And obviously Malone, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, everyone's just really good. It's it's an uncomfortable, you know, bullpen to face. The one exception I think is is Diego Castillo, who I don't remember if I've talked about on this pod, but I think his slider is kind of borked. Like I think it it, ha- it has been for a y- over a year, um, and I I think that might. Be part of the reason why the race traded him. Interesting. Um, do you think it was Borked before the Mariners traded for him, like you said, and that's why the race were willing to ditch him? Or do you think that um, it's something that's kind of developed more with the Mariners as well? I'm I remember looking at it. I think it's it's worsened, but he used to get like. I don't know, six inches of, of sweep with a slider and now Sometimes he throws at arm side. Like sometimes he gets negative, <laughs> negative one or two uh, inches of of uh, sweep. I guess um, he gets arm side run, uh, which is unique. But it's I don't think he can locate it as well. Um, I think that's that's part of the issue. It's just not as good of a pitch. Like and if you think about it in terms of stuff, it's it's declined. So. Now he's he's just doing the same thing, but with that he's always done, uh, but with diminished pitches, I think. So, yeah. All right. Well, closing on one more bullpen name for today uh, is Paul Seawald, because Paul Seawald has had something of a resurgence himself over the last month or so. Uh, stuff looks a little sharper, a little crisper, but getting more strikeouts. And there's obviously nobody's blown a save in a while, which is great because uh, we need we need all those wins. We can we'll take them if we can get them. Um, have you seen anything different from Paul in terms of the pitch mix, in terms of the stuff um, that you think is sustainable in terms of him being the guy he was last year again? I presume that means me. Yeah, far, well, far be it for me to you... talk on Seawold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. Y- you got anything to say? Uh, you, uh, you're more than than. Uh, <laughs> I would I would never. Okay you you, you so. are the authority, my friend. I, I don't mind that. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, he's throwing a slider a lot more this year, which is interesting to me. I was actually looking the other day because it's been so weird to see his his strikeout numbers go down. Uh. And I think part of it is that his his fastball just, you know, hasn't been as insane as it was last year, Um, you know, which is probably why those, uh, you know, those those whiffs have have gone down since last year or the the strikeouts. Um, But just in looking at it, you know, I kind of wonder if he um, I mean, he throws like a riding, you know, sweeper, a riding sweeper. you know, slider that that we've talked a lot about. It gets more lift. It gets more ride, uh, which is kind of weird to talk about. But uh, you know, than your average breaking ball. I I kind of wonder maybe if he's if he you know if he's throwing it too high, like vertically on average. Uh, if that's maybe taking away from his fastball, I'm not necessarily you know sure. Um, and actually, I can look. 
and see how that's trended over the months, the past couple months. Like maybe that's something he's adjusted. No, I still on it higher <laughs> as the year goes on. So I'm not sure. I, I just think it's it's kind of a weird hiccup, uh, you know, as I see it. Um, and that he'll just continue to to kind of do his thing. Um, one thing I'm really interested in is he's actually, and maybe it's just a statistical, you know, kind of like this will regress, but something he's been doing this year is, is inducing a lot of pop-ups, um, about 16% up from 12%. Uh, so, you know, if he's not getting as many strikeouts, like that's, that's not ideal. Uh, but if he's creating automatic outs, which pop-ups are, um, I'll take that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, again, I don't, I don't have anything necessarily that I'm like, oh, like he's, he's, he's doing this. He was doing this worse and that's why his, his numbers are kind of down. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's just kind of, you know, things will, um, Things will adjust as 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 time uh, passes, um, but I, I guess the the thing that I'll leave off with is is he is throwing a lot more. In terms of sliders, he was throwing down and away from righties exclusively. Um, he's throwing a lot more backdoor sliders now, which again maybe maybe that's taking away from some of his efficacy. I guess I guess we'll see. But he's been better lately, so I'm happy about that. I take it as good news, and we could definitely could definitely use Paul Seawald of, of last year, so it's been really good to see him. I want to ask Durs what I think is probably the most pressing question of the week, which is the Mariners have officially started to peel back a little bit on George Kirby's innings, and mm-hmm. they did this a little bit last year with Logan Gilbert, which is instead of shutting him down or putting a hard innings limit, they kind of babied him through the entire season and had him pitching all the way into September. Um, skipping starts here and there. I want to know, Durs, how do you feel about this plan for George Kirby? Because I'm I'm a little mixed on it. On the one hand, I think that it's probably the right thing to do, and they did manage to do it last year successfully and healthily with Logan Gilbert, obviously. But Kirby was hurt last year and pitched substantially less than Gilbert anyway. Mm. Um, how do you see this playing out? And do you think that this is a wise move by the Mariners in terms of balancing their competitiveness for this year and also looking forward and and trying to keep Kirby healthy. So I'm going to answer your question, but first I want to say that we talked last week, I think, or last pod about how, you know, we were talking about, Oh, if the Mariners want another starter, you know, whose spot is it, is that pitcher going to take? And after the podcast was over, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, they don't need to take anyone's spot because they're going to be doing workload management for the rest of the year on not just Kirby, but they could mm-hmm. do it for Gilbert. Um, and, you know, they could skip a start here or there for one of the other guys too, just to keep him fresh. I feel like that extra starting pitching spot will come in handy when they start to do these kinds of things. So if, if you if you want a reason for the Mariners to acquire a starter you know, them managing Kirby's workload and potentially Gilbert's workload is, I think, a good reason for them to get one. Even a guy who, you know, I, it doesn't need to be Tyler Anderson, obviously, and it won't be, but someone in that mold who, you know, is a good starter, but like you can throw them in the bullpen if everybody's on their regular um, schedules. So I say that all to say, I think this is a wise move for Seattle if they have a plan as to who's going to start those games when Kirby does it, right? So that's, I guess, my mm-hmm. main concern is, so you're managing Kirby's workload, fine. Who's going to be pitching in those games that Kirby isn't pitching in? Is it going to be bullpen days? Are we going to be returning to the Darren McCackins of the world? Are we going to be uh, throwing yes. Tommy Malone <laughs> out there for four innings? Like, I don't, I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of afraid of where they're going to go with those innings. So Mm. I will be more fine with it if they get someone that makes it obvious that they have this plan and that this plan works. Because obviously I want Curry to be healthy. And I think that we all knew workload management was coming, but it's kind of, it's easy to be afraid of that when you look at the backup options um, and the fact that they're in a playoff hunt. 
and you're going, well, who the who the hell are, gonna, are they going to throw? Now, that said, you know, the, the Blue Jays, today as we're recording this, are doing a bullpen game, or they're doing an opener. Um, so, you know, like, teams do it. And the Mariners had several last year. I just don't want it to become a regular thing again. So that's, mm. I guess, my concern. I think my two cents on that as well would be when it comes to inning limits and, and feathering the play a little bit of these young pitchers, there isn't specifically a right way to do it other than not getting them injured, right? Like whatever playbook there is for, oh, it's okay to double your innings year over year, or it's okay to add 30 innings if you pitched 120, you know, whatever arbitrary metrics there are. And you can look this up and you will find things. Mostly what I found is that they don't like to go more than about 30% more year to year. Um, but they're not hard and fast rules. They're just generalities that are there to kind of give guidelines to keep players healthy. It's a matter of how the individual player's body responds. If George Kirby is healthy, so be it, right? Like, And that's what it comes down to is I was listening to Jerry on 710. Maybe it was The Wheelhouse actually yesterday. Um, new episode of The Wheelhouse, by the way. Good episode. And, uh, you know, they were mm-hmm. talking about Kirby and kind of feathering that workload. And he was like, we did this with, with Logan last year. Everyone was kind of panicking. It was like, dude, he's fine. His arm is fine. He's healthy. If he's not, he's going to let us know, and we're going to run him out there until we hear otherwise, and it went okay. So while part of me is nervous just because Kirby threw 70 innings last year and has already Mm -hmm. passed that by two full starts. uh, So, yeah, right? Like, I don't like hearing that, but so far, so good. And I do trust the team and their pitching development system to listen to him and to not throw his arm out so far um and they've earned they've earned the benefit of that doubt with what they did with logan last year is that fair to say yeah i kind of i kind of wonder if it, if they mm-hmm. don't get another starter if it wouldn't be a bad idea to yo-yo kirby with um taylor dollard or levi stout and whenever you're sending one of those two guys down or whenever you're sending kirby down call one of those two guys up to spot start um especially dollard who seems like he's ready but um, I don't know how many innings Dollard has left this year, but if he has a significant number left, like I feel like that that would be a good use for them, because I don't, I don't really want them throwing Brash back out there as a starter. Also, they're not gonna, yeah. they're not gonna, yeah. yeah. I was actually just thinking that it would be hella fun, not Brash, uh, like Stout or I, I don't think Dollar does. Dollar hasn't even hit Double A. So Dollard's been in double A, dude. That's where he's been. That's where he's been doing his work right now. He's got a sub. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of Bryce Miller. I'm thinking of Bryce Bryce Miller. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Maybe you could do it. Um, Good thing we don't have Tyler Anderson. And what a, you know, really not. We couldn't couldn't have used (laughs) him. We're so insufferable about that. He would be the best. He would be the best pitcher on our team by war. He actually would. He's pitched better than Gilbert this year, which is just insane. The Dodgers also made a deal with the devil and that any pitcher they get will just become like amazing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to. I mean, he changed his. He, he changed his change up, but his fastball has always been, you know, his, his pitch and it's back. I think it has to do with getting sticky stuff back on the ball, but um, yeah, really could have used him. Um, it's weird. I mean, I don't think the Mariners should be wedded to Flexen or Marco, but they are. Going well, I to think be. more Marco because of the so. contract, right? Cause he's being, Oh, it's, it's also a, yeah. a contract that's like increasing in value. I think he'll be owed like 11 million a year here pretty soon, which is, just a lot to pay a guy who you're not going to start. Sunk I think he's only under contract for two more seasons, though, so it's not that long. Like even if it is a sunk cost, it's not a it's not for a length of time. Yeah, and and hashtag yeah. not my money. So we we, we did talk. <laughs> Yo, about he's this. so he's so boring. <laughs> he talked about it. He he induced two wins. No, but you know what's funny is that like if the Mariners traded him or like gave him up he would go to san francisco and they'd turn him into freaking dallas keichel <laughs> i would be it's very so annoying. annoying you know somebody threw out a jamie moyer comp on the radio the other day for marco and i was like no because jamie moyer like had the deception to strike people out even though he had no stuff marco mm-hmm. just doesn't make marco is incapable of strikeouts it isn't in his repertoire it's so it's whatsoever. so weird because his era is like what like 3.1 something like 
three one nine or it's something, really good. and it's like <laughs> it, it's mystifying because he'll fit. He faces off against like the Yankees or like the Red Sox, like a really good team, and he's just like seven innings, two runs, two strikeouts. <laughs> that's it's so weird. <laughs> he's always like, kind of outperformed his peripherals, but. He's uh, the worst fantasy know. baseball starting pitcher of all he's time. Like, he, like compared compared to a real value. Well, as someone who's in four fantasy leagues, he's the guy who is on the wire and gets picked up the day before every start and then dropped the day after. Mike <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leak. All right, let's uh, let's answer <laughs> B's question before we talk trades because I think the the deadline stuff is gonna take over the conversation not just at the end of this podcast but probably for the next few weeks as we you know go through some names but uh be asked the question aside from obviously julio who is the hands-down pick are there any players on the current roster who you'd give an extension uh i think probably the big number two answer is logan right Mm. given how he's pitched the last two years uh definitely see the team extending him ty france is an option um even though his contract still goes for another couple of years those are the two for me. Who would you guys say? That's, this is a great question, honestly. Um, it is. Mm. I think who? Well, so first of all, if they extend anybody before they extend Julio, I think there's going to be riots in the street. But um, I mean, I, I kind of like France as my pick because I, I'm always wary of extending starters, especially before you have to. In my opinion, you shouldn't be giving a starter an extension until they're in like their second year arbitration. So. I just because like you never know with those arms, man, what's going to happen to them. So Logan won't be earning, you know, Logan's in team control for a couple more years. Um, so I kind of wait until we get closer to that. But with France, like, I think that would be a great show. Goodwill also like the JP extension was and like a Julio extension would mm-hmm. be where you prove, you know, you come up through our system and, you know, you, you, you do really well, you're going to get paid. Um, and also I just like, he's a he's one of the core members of this team going forward you know uh, i think it was eno they were talking about this on rates and barrels about like a good team needs four core players that's all a core needs is four four guys right so if we think about our core right now julio is definitely a part of it i think he was talking about hitters specifically well julio is definitely a part of it so france would be number two i think jp is like I don't know. Yeah. 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 Maybe. maybe. I guess he is. I mean, if he's going to hit, you know, 115 WRC plus with elite defense, that's probably a core player. Yeah. Yeah. For a shortstop. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll call JP number three. And then I think, I think the Mariners are waiting to see who the fourth would be between Kelnick, um, maybe Tremel. I was going to say Cal Raleigh. Winker. Um, Wink, Winker, yeah, maybe Winker. I mean, there's a lot of options out there. Suarez. Kyle Lewis, if he can get healthy. Suarez, I think, is a little too old to be a mm. member of like the core, right? Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> and Winker is up there too, but I think that they could give him an extension. Yeah. He he would be part of that too. But either way, I think you know we mm. I think we can establish France is definitely one of those guys, right? And so I think that what you have you have to lock up those players. Um, so I, I would say France. Dang, I don't have a better answer than Durs. <laughs> uh, we both gave I position mean, players, though. You, know. you must have one of the arms that you would uh, you would sign. Um, I mean Logan or or um, or Kirby. Um, I think I think what teams often do is they'll buy out their arbitration, but the overall contract. You know, so they they kind of save in the in the long run, long run. You could give you that's, could give Logan the, like a Blake Snell right. contract, right? Like a six sixty or, or seven seventy. Yeah, um, which is like nothing. Um, I think I this is the number that's been in my head ever since the Mariners acquired Mike Leake. But like a a, a number five starter goes for sixteen million, and that was back then. So yeah, that's ten million. Not to, not to fucking peddle bullshit for the Mariners' ownership. I don't. I don't need them to <laughs> to sign people to to whatever. But deals, yeah. But yeah, I I just think in terms of what is reasonable and what they might do. Yeah, I think I think it might look something like that. And for Kirby, it might be kind of str- unless they're talking to guys and and guys are like, yeah, I don't really want to 
do that right now, which we know is, is the case for some players. Um, Kirby might want to do something like that, you know, really get locked up early. So I think those are the two that I would say um, generally not a great idea to uh, really lean on a, a reliever uh, for several years. I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> And they already did, for the record, <laughs> sign a reliever to an extended contract, and that was Munoz. They bought out his arbitration right. and just decided to to pay yeah. him and let him be on the roster and everything. And I could actually see them doing that with uh, Murphy. I don't know if they would, but like theoretically, if oh, they were Pen, as a neighbor with him or, as they were or, with uh, Pen Murphy. Oh, Tom Murphy. Okay. <laughs> Who's the other? Oh. <laughs> Tom, no, not Tom Murphy. No, give Tom or Murphy Tom five Murphy. years. No. <laughs> um, Rash. Okay. Someone else. Yeah. Who, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, as you know, that he, um, you know, he can be something uh, just based on stuff alone. Um, I don't know if he wants to sign that. Maybe he does after, after those starts that he had earlier in the year. But uh, uh, I think those are like my, my three. Yeah. I, I think they're and probably Munoz, working diligently you know, on a Julio extension. I, I bet they're in, in talks about that hopefully. now. Um, or maybe they'll wait to the end of yeah. the year. But anyway, um, can I totally yeah. sidetrack us for a second? This wasn't in sidetrack. This was not on the rundown. Um, but I saw this question um, from I don't I actually don't like this guy, but Buster Olney. Um, he was talking about wow. you know the Angels aren't a death spiral. Which first of all, we should dance on their graves a little bit. It's freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, are they going to fire Phil Nevin too? That'd be so funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny because like the brawl like propelled the Mariners it seems like and the Angels started the brawl but the it, it like really like I think put a chip on the shoulder of the Mariners and it sent the Angels into a death spiral which is hilarious but anyway so Buster only was talking about how Otani's a free agent at the end of 2023 um and you have to think that, like, with the way this year is gone, he like, why would he want to stay there if he doesn't have to? Like, he's gonna test free agency. I feel like. Do you think the Mariners would be a player in that market, or do you think that that's gonna be a top dogs only type of thing? Other people can offer them better prospects. Straight. Sorry, up, I'm, right? I'm talking like, about when he's uh... a free agent, not trade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. think so? You think that the Mariners are going to be yeah. willing to like give the biggest contract in MLB history? I hope they would. <laughs> Agreed. What what uh what's the point of all this penny pinch if you're not going to shell it out for a generational It's true. We know how badly Dakota wanted Otani too. Like you have to imagine the second Otani hits the market, if unless he's like, you know, if, if he's doing anything close to what he's doing now, and Otani hits the market, you have to imagine Jerry is going to be like begging Mariners ownership to give him enough money to make it happen. <laughs> I, I mean, he he gives you instantly two things that you so desperately need, which are an elite starting pitcher and like an elite hitter in the way that Ty France is like not, I suppose right. mm-hmm. like Ty France is going to get is, is, is often going to hit a single or double, but Otani's like, Otani's much more of a Julio esque hitter, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And Julio is going to be that too, but talk about core players. Yeah, I know Julio and fucking Otani. Julio threw a ball from the outfield 100 miles an hour the other day, and I'm just like wondering what? if maybe we've been putting too many ceilings on yeah. him and we should be trying him out <laughs> on the mound. Like, <laughs> why sign Otani when we Did have... He actually, yeah, it was 99.3. Yeah, he threw, he threw 99.8. Oh, 99.8, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. And like, I'm kidding about trying him in the starting rotation, but like only kind of. <laughs> okay, I'm going to... I pitched an article to 538 to write about him. Uh, and I'm going to put that in. Do if, the do the what, do the back. um like is is uh Julio Rodriguez a five tool athlete or something, or is he the next five tool athlete, something like that? That's not, that actually was going to be kind of the 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 angle because he's he's um, got all five. Maybe not. I, I'm the only tool I'd be worried about is the is the hit tool. To be honest with you, 
Mm. I'm not sure he's mm. going to be like a 270 or a higher hitter for his whole career. I kind of wonder if he'll be more of a 250, 60. I mean, I, two, two, 260, 270 is kind of my thought there. I don't want to put a ceiling on him. Real quick, when we mentioned this, we mentioned this in the Discord, but Julio is on a six win pace this season. Yeah. Like, good God. Good God. Yeah. He's. And I remember, you know, in the preseason talking about, um, you know, the projections and them being like, yeah, he's probably a five one player already. <laughs> and I think it was good, you know, that I was like, oh, let's chill out. Like, That's let's expect a too, league average yeah. hitter for now. Um, but he, you know, he has been that. Um, ooh, I wanted to go back to Shohei to, uh, two for a second to, to say something about him, but I forgot, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like the Mariners would be outbid on Shohei. I just like the Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, like you have to outbid all three, all three of those teams. (laughs) Like, I don't know about that. If, if, so if you think about how the Mariners develop players, they're going to be able to crank out pitchers. It seems like, you know, both relievers and starting pitchers, you should be going after guys like Shohei. And although he, you know, he's a pitcher hitter, that shouldn't count against him. Um, They should be trying to acquire elite hitters. And I know that they just got Robbie Ray, but that should be, you know, um, that should be really the, the, the focus because they've, they've had a lot of trouble uh developing headers and i think you can consider julio a win but maybe maybe you also are like it's julio <laughs> like if they don't develop noel v Marte, um maybe that's a little troubling you know kyle lewis is a win evan white it's like oh um yeah it seems like a shortcoming of theirs i i think that that hitting development is is lagging behind uh pitching development on the whole so i think uh, just you know, across the league, but with the Mariners too. Uh, so I think really a focus on acquiring you know those upper echelon hitters should be a goal. And well, in the interest of talking about upper echelon hitters, I think we should we should close today on some trade names because the Mariners mm. have really three guys playing second base, and none of them are very good currently. In in Toro, and Dylan Moore, and in Frazier, and uh. As much as I've stared at the Fangraphs pages for second baseman over the last couple of days and, and come away a little dismayed, feeling like I don't know if any of the names on there are as available as I would like, um, there is a guy who who I do like, which is Cattell Marte. And I wanted to ask two things. One is, who do you guys have your eyes on? And two, what do you think is fair for the Mariners to trade? Because even within our Discord, there's some there's disparity between people thinking we should make a trade and people who don't want to trade Noelvi or maybe you know Hancock who don't want to deal out of that upper end of our remaining prospect value, as it were. Um, my honest opinion, straight up, is that there isn't anyone in our prospect system I wouldn't trade right now for a mm-hmm. good up. A good upgrade. I, I really wouldn't. I don't. I don't think anyone is untouchable. The closest is probably Arroyo, and I would still trade him if I thought that the Mariners were going to the playoffs this year. Oh, I would um, trade him easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's nine, um, 18, 19. So, um, I guess Durs first. Any names as far as trade targets, infield, outfield, wherever, and um, who are you? Who are you thinking of trading on our side? I will. I will say first of all that we had a great discussion in the Discord yesterday about second base in general. So um, that was that was a fun time. Uh, I, I was basically positing that outside of like the oasis that was Robinson Cano, the Mariners have not had a steady second base presence in a long time. Um, and Aaron was pointing out that it's probably been since brett boone (laughs) in the early 2000s that the mariners have really had a a second baseman that we trust you know day in and day out um so to me i just i jose vidro (laughs) nick franklin oh boy uh remember some guys uh ackley (laughs) i just want to why i just want them to get that position figured out because there's nothing on the horizon for the team either in the farm um and I guess like you could go get Trey Turner in the free agent market, but I really don't know if they're going to, I don't trust them to do that. So I say all that to say, mm-hmm. um, this was also a trade offer. I think King Hippo was saying, would you do Marte for Marte? Um, I think it would take more than Marte for Marte. Um, like I think it would take more than Noel V to get yeah. to tell Marte, but 
Yeah. Let's 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 say for example like uh, Noel V plus Levi Stout plus um, something smaller like I don't know I don't want to say Joe Rizzo because I feel like that's a cop out but like Zach Deloach you know C level prospect I would do that trade I think uh, mostly it, in a heartbeat I, I think it would mostly yeah. cost that much because Cattell Marte is locked up for several years um not necessarily mm. because of the talent i mean he's a good talent you know at his best he can be one of the best second basemen in baseball um so that's why i think it would be a steeper cost than just noel v but i think i would do that deal and i will say noel v's been heating up so if you if you're concerned about noel v he's been hitting a lot better recently yeah i mean i i would do that i'm also just like it's like i I don't want to say I wouldn't do that. I just if if there's someone that you can acquire that's not Cattell Marte, like because I really like him. But and by the way, I'm looking at things on my phone because I don't want my computer to slow down. Um, but he hasn't like he's flashed being, you know, a superstar. He's flashed being a star, uh, but he hasn't put it all together. And. I don't know. I just kind of don't know if he's ever going to kind of be consistent enough where like 2019 and, and, and 2021, he, he was a really consistent hitter. He was a really good hitter. Um, I don't know, like 2020 and this year, he's, he's, he's not hitting the ball hard consistently like at all. Um, so I think it's kind of a, uh, when you think about like sweet spot, percentage you know i think he's just not hitting the ball optimal angles switch hitting's hard um so i would do that but a i think it might be judicious to i'm trying i'm (laughs) i'm trying to think of different idioms and they're just not coming to me put those eggs in a different basket is that it is that an idiom idiom. uh um Cause he's not like it's it's not someone that you're gonna acquire and it's like game changer, you know. He's uh, he's been fine this year. He's been an above average. No, but hitter, I think but... it's like game changing potential. You know, if they if if he figure like he's flashed the ability. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe it was a juice ball thing. Like maybe he's one of the guys who's been um, uh, hurt more by the D juice ball than a lot of players. So if that's the case, then maybe it's I mean just a long term problem. Just in a vacuum, as his expected numbers aren't as good, you know. So I don't. It's yes, that's part of it, but also no. <laughs> um, I think I think he's legitimately, you know, kind of struggled relative to then. So he's been hurt quite a bit too. Um, he only played ninety games last year. And obviously there's only 60 games they played the year before that, but he missed 15 games prior. Uh, he hasn't played obviously a full season in three years now. And I really like Cattell Marte. I agree with you that he's mm-hmm. not like, he's not a game changer, but what he might be is he, we're about halfway through the year and he's worth one and a half wins so far. Adam Frazier is functionally replacement value. <laughs> Abe Toro so is functionally replacement value. And Dylan Moore can play second base, but really is a utility player and is also functionally replacement value as a second baseman. So what you'd be looking at with Cattell Marte is if he could hold the line and be worth one to 1.5 war over the rest of the season, that is a clear upgrade at second base. I think I don't worry so much about the hitting profile because again, he's replacing Adam Frazier who couldn't hit the ball out of the infield to save his life most of the time. Um, So we Mm -hmm. wouldn't notice that transition very much. Um, He's a good fill in. I do worry about him down the line. I think, Part of what could make him so available to us is that contract because he is paid like he's a very good player for a long time and he might not be. And Arizona is cheap and conservative, both literally and politically. And uh, they may want to (laughs) not pay him sooner than later. And if the Mariners were willing to cover that salary, they could potentially get away with giving them just Marte and Deloach or, you know, like kind of bringing it down. Um, But I don't Mm. think that. I don't think Marte is a slam dunk to be a major improvement, but I do think he is better than Adam Frazier, which is kind of the bar we're at. And it sucks because as I'm walking through this and, you know, kind of explaining it to myself, the way out of this for the Mariners really 
is for Adam Frazier to hit. Yeah. Adam Frazier has been good recently. Like he's not such a lost cause that I think he can never hit again. No, but he's just had a bad half and he did a really bad half of baseball. He hit really well last year. And even though it was his best year, he has had other good seasons as a hitter. Um, but he's, uh, I just, I've just never been super impressed by the profile. Like his, he hits the ball with no authority. Um, and we knew that when we acquired him, which is why I wasn't like in love with the acquisition. I mean, when we got him, the cost was actually pretty low. So in that, regard i was but i think you we all remember saying you know like if he is supposed to be the starter at second base we're a lot less excited than if he's like the move around super utility guy which is i think what we were hoping he would be um and i think that if they can make him that again i would be fine with it you know if they make him a replacement guy who can pinch run and maybe he pinch hits for the catcher sometimes you know um but they, I think they very clearly need someone else. And I, I don't blame the Mariners for having come into the season thinking between Frazier and Toro, one of these guys is going to be, you know, at least an average big league second baseman this year. And it sucks that neither of them was. Mm. But now that that's the case, they have to do something, I feel like. They have to find a long-term solution. Um, and maybe they're resistant to do that because they think they can just continue to piecemeal it, especially if the price is high. Um but I, I'm just kind of tired. I didn't of even consider Frazier becoming better. <laughs> like, <laughs> just improving. Control the zone, baby. Elite, elite. Contact. Well, that is the thing is like he has good plate skills, right? His it, The only problem is that he just doesn't make enough authority. And you can't really teach that. That's a harder thing to teach is how to hit the ball harder. That's fine. Ty France doesn't always hit the ball with authority. That, so that was another discussion that was had in the Discord was like, do we move France back to second base to solve this problem? No. For the record, <laughs> that wasn't a discussion we wanted to be having. It was something that Scott <laughs> brought up, and I almost had an aneurysm. Yeah. I was Wait, thinking, what? Yeah. Well, here, here's the issue that they have is that <laughs> they have Santana now. Santana functionally took the DH role from everyone because he's not really supposed to play anywhere in the field. He can technically play first base. That means that Ty France can't play first base, which means Ty France has to DH. But hey, maybe you want Kyle Lewis to DH, which means, oh, Ty France has to play the field. So this is how we get here. Do I like it? No. Do I like, like, I just, I really don't like it, it. But yeah, I realize that Who that cares? team might hit really well. Kyle well, Lewis at DH, Santana at first base, <laughs> Ty France at second base. They might rake. They also might give up a lot of ground I'm, balls. I'm doing like the real-time kombucha girl expression gif in my head right now where I'm like, France at second base, though. I mean, Perry Hill might be able to work with that, you know? <laughs> like, uh, what? Per- well, the only thing Perry Hill couldn't do is fix Frazier at second base because he also has been fielding like crap recently. But, um, <laughs> you know, Hill has been worked with France at first. Like, maybe he can work with France at second again. I don't, I don't know. Like... If France can be an average defensive second baseman, I say go for it. I just don't know if he can be. If he can be a below average second baseman, I say go for it. Just not a disaster. Yeah. Well, and he I don't think he was. Remember when we got him, he was a third baseman. And they were like, eh, he's probably more of a second first. And then they moved him to first because White couldn't get healthy. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing here is Santana is not necessarily a good hitter like we don't know that he has struggled f- a lot this year for the mariners it seems like i haven't like looked at his numbers but it seems like he has been i think he's a league average um, hitter, and that's not a guy i feel like you have to get in the lineup at all costs but league average is a lot yeah. better than what we've been getting at second base well and you also have to kind of have to put your best guys out there so I see it. I'm trying to pull up his um, Ty France's uh, outs above average when he was at second base. Because, um, yeah, he wasn't a disaster. But, man, it also sucks to keep moving him around. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things here. The timing on the Kyle Lewis concussion really sucked because I'm glad Santana's here because he is. a. I do think he is a good hitter and a quality player for this team. But he doesn't have that much of a role when Kyle's back, if and when that happens. And so that squeeze, you know, like we really want to prioritize giving Kyle Lewis at bats and giving Taylor Trammell at bats and eventually giving Jared at bats. It just sucks because 
for different reasons, they either haven't been very good or haven't been able to play because of injury. And so even though we want those guys to be at the front of the line, we're having to put Santana and whoever else in front just because of availability. And I do, I understand that in a vacuum, we all want the kids to play and I want the kids to play and want the kids to succeed. But we are at a crossroads now where the Mariners did cross 500 a couple of days ago and are actually hey. good now and do need to try and play to win. Um, and that may necessitate they play veterans with lower upside over some of these kids who are awesome. Everybody knows I love Kyle Lewis, but he's played four games this year. You know, like, mm. I don't know. I don't know. They got, they got to be here for it. Right. They got to, they got to be here when they're on the roster too. And Kyle Lewis is on the roster. I will worry about how this shakes out. You're talking before the pod that his, his rehab is kind of an interesting project so far. So, uh, I'm, mm. I'm content to wait and see how this all plays out. Um, do we have any other final thoughts today? We're, we're a little over an hour. Um, what do you think? Uh, Andres Munoz rules. Yeah. I, I, uh, and I, I love him. Julio is cool. perfect. Julio can, <laughs> we'll wrap it there. Julio can do no wrong. And hopefully we see Kelnick soon, yeah. but it seems like they're taking their time with him. So, Please take your time with him. Yeah, honestly, he doesn't have anywhere to play right now, so it's 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 okay if he's uh, yeah can't he's can't be pushing Sam Haggerty off of the outfield. Trade for someone, Jerry. I'm begging you. I want <laughs> to win. All right, we'll leave it there for today. I'm Evan. You can find me on Twitter at Evan James Audio. You can find Mikey on Twitter at Kuya Mikey. Oh, did you change your handle recently? Am I wrong about that? No, you. You've just been getting it wrong. It's underscore Kuya Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> underscore Kuya Mikey. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you can find Anders on Twitter at Anders Jorstad. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, wherever it is you stream. Additionally, please support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash never sunny in Seattle. I will also leave the Discord link uh, so you can chat with us and ask questions and you know interact with the community. We've been having um pretty bustling conversation on game days and just in general especially coming into the deadline so definitely be a part of that um thanks for listening go mariners above 500 playoffs inbound <laughs>